see me. And um, I am the senior pastor here, which I hate. Uh, as a, not the, that what I do, by the way, just in case you misread that, I hate the title of it, you know, because being senior makes me sound really old. No comments, no jokes, isn't it? You know, um, perhaps we're the oldest on the... I'm a team leader. I like the team leader kind of title. That's a little bit better. And uh, we're having fun now. We're a free church, by the way, which means we just love being free, you know, and we kind of want to break off any kind of formation that's form of tradition or hold us in. So we don't do much liturgy except on Easter Sunday, when what I call it the Mr. Kipling liturgy, and you'll see, um, you know, Mr. Kipling speaks in very middle English, isn't it? The word exceedingly. Uh, and you'll see those who are being going to a church, and I'm going to say a phrase, he is risen. Yeah, so the former ones, he's risen indeed, Aaron. You know, no, you don't use that phrase anytime. Um, so just to kind of translate, part of my role is to help if you need to translate. It just means Jesus is alive. You know, isn't it right? And if you say that this week, I want to make sure that you say it and make sure your face knows it. Okay, yeah, Jesus is alive. Really changed my life, you know. You know, <laughs> Jesus is alive, isn't it? You know, uh, I want to talk this morning about life wins. Life wins, okay? So I don't know about your day, but there are little moments that happen in our life that makes us think that we're winning. So if you're driving down to to anywhere uh, tomorrow morning, and if you get three green lights in a row, you're like, life is winning. Life is winning, isn't it? I got through that. We think like that, don't we? If you're in a, a supermarket queue, and there's a massive long queue. And then just to see, you're, you're spotting. And then a new cashier comes in and opens another till and says, come on, son. You think, oh, I'm winning right here. You know, they, I'm right on, on, on a layer here. If you get a microwave meal, you know, and you put it in the microwave and you push it on. And then you put it on your plate. And then you put your fork in from the middle. And the middle is hot. You are winning, aren't you? You know, it's the whole, my whole life is, this is what about, if you're wrapping Christmas presents and, you know, and and you get some scissors and and you put your scissors through and you get that straight line, life wins, isn't it? Because most of us go, it's funny, uh, my son, I like to watch him watching, um, wrapping Christmas presents. All you need to do when he does it, you just hold a piece of paper in the air. He throws the present at it and then sticks it afterwards, you know, and that, that's what it, it looks like when you get that present, you know, so uh, that's how. But we have these little wins. We also have life losers. This is like we wake up and maybe your alarm doesn't go off. And you're like, don't, you know, and your whole day is wrecked completely is that maybe you come down and, and the kids um, school uniform is still in the washing machine you know and you're like oh, this day. maybe you get into the traffic you know and the traffic's busier you know and I've realized in life we, we make our wins or losers on the tiniest incidental moments of our day and, and actually that's our whole life you know we're like, oh, I'm weird. Oh. And, and we're up and down like a yo-yo in life so how do we know if we're really winning in life? How do you know if you're having a, a really good day? Well, I want to throw you into a little bit of the Bible to help us look uh, to know whether we're having a good day or bad. And I want to start by throwing us into a bad day. You know, so Easter is about the time that, that Jesus both died and came back to life. Easter Sunday readings, by the way, and if you want to do, read with me, Matthew 28 verse 1 says, Early on Sunday morning, As the new day was dawning, it's really positive, new day, Mary Magdalene and the other women went out to visit the tomb. You know, in Mark, in 16 verse 2, early on Sunday morning, just as the sunrise, they went to the tomb, and on the way they were asking each other, 
Who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? Luke 24 verse 2 says, They found that the stone had rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they stood there puzzled. I don't know about you, but we, they, they were buried differently in Middle Eastern times, and so they were placed in, in a, essentially a cave or in a rock, and, and a huge stone was placed in. And so I want to picture the moment that actually as they go into the tomb that early morning on what we celebrate as Easter Sunday, and they stoop down and they look into the darkness. They look into the blackness, you know, and I don't know about you, but there are moments in life when we look into the darkness of our own life, the darkness of our our own soul, the darkness of our own circumstance, and this is where the story starts. It starts in a dark place. You see, death appeared to have won that day. They had walked, the followers of Jesus, three years with this incredibly charismatic individual who taught them the ways of God, who demonstrated that that God heals and he had become God in front of their eyes. And and they thought that he was going to lead them into heaven. And then he dies. And then it was dark. And then it was all over. I don't know if you've experienced the death of a friend or a parent or a loved one. I don't know if you've gone through a situation by which your, all your hopes and all your dreams kind of fit that moment when you're looking into the tomb and everything looks black, everything looks dark. Having a dark day. Winston Churchill, um, one of our prime ministers, we hold him up um, as a real hero. He, he struggled all his life with depression. He had many, many dark days, not just in the context of the country, but in his own approach to life, he, he used this phrase that he called his depression a black dog. If, if you, you've ever experienced depression or going through that right now, had a black dog, his name was depression. Whenever the black dog made an appearance, I felt empty and life seemed to slow down. He could surprise me with a visit for no reason or occasion. The black dog made me look and feel older than my years. When the rest of the world seemed to be enjoying life, I could only see it through the black dog. Activities that usually brought me pleasure suddenly ceased. He liked to ruin my appetite. He chewed up my memory and my ability to concentrate. Doing anything or going anywhere with a black dog required superhuman strength. And at social occasions, he would sniff out any confidence I had and chase it away. For me, I can imagine that was the day that the disciples had. I I can imagine a moment when they they were looking into the darkness. That's how life felt. I listen to quite a lot of songs, and I love stories behind songs. And uh, there's, there's a band that, that I listen to called The Rain Collective, and um, I, was, I was watching their story behind this particular song, and I'm going to play it in just a few moments. But they say, this is why we wrote this song. It's called Counting Every Blessing. He said, I used to struggle through periods of depression and darkness. I was always looking at what I didn't have rather than what I did have. And I found that comparison stole my joy. I used to look at what people had and what I didn't, what families looked like on social media, you know, presenting the perfect image of their life. And I thought, why can't my life look like that? You know, their front room looks so perfect. And so I started to realize that God had put really good things in my life. So I wrote this song, and it's called Count Every Blessing. So I'm just going to play the first bit of the track if I can and see if you can pick up the lyrics. 
I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was lost, now I'm found by the Father. I've been changed from a ruined treasure. I've been given a hope and a future. about us to kind of move our perspective from looking into the dark shadows of our life and actually to look into the bright sunshine, the new dawn of a new day. And actually what it takes is for us to move our position from looking down and looking dark to looking up, to looking out, to looking light, to looking brightness. And there is a simple switch that we can go through just by changing our perspective because we have life wants, not life wins. We look at, we, you know, on Instagram or Facebook, you know, or, or, or Twitter, and we, we, we kind of scrolling through. And have you noticed everybody's life looks perfect? Isn't it? Everybody's life looks better than yours. You know, I kind of look at that. If I go on to um, after church on Sunday, and there's all these churches around the world who are going, a fantastic dirt church, you know, and I'm like, it looks so much better than mine, you know what I mean? And you get that feeling, but we have this comparative thing. And actually, as the songwriter behind that says, comparison is the thief of joy, which is a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. We actually think, gee, I'm being robbed of my life. Something is being stolen. It's actually an illusion because it's just a picture of just a moment of just a presentation because let me tell you, if their lounge looked perfect, five minutes ago it didn't. Because I know, because I've taken those photos. Because the way to get over it is to show everybody how happy you are, isn't it? It's, you know, get the selfie out, you know, and you know, girls, you do your hair, you don't do a selfie, you know, you don't just go get up first thing in the morning, I'm just going to do a selfie myself, unless it's a no makeup day, you know, but you just kind of get out, you, you, you put everything right, you put the selfie up and then you're looking at the cushions behind you, aren't you? Or they're not quite straight, just need to move them, isn't it? You know, I'm not going to show that corner because that's my messy desk. You know, and so we construct, everybody constructs a perception of their life. And when we're looking at your life, we're just like, yeah. It also, by the way, that picture does not show the sacrifice that it took to get there. It doesn't, take the, it doesn't show the choices of our life to get to those places that some of the pictures took years to craft, by the way, not just in the moment of a selfie. It's just a snapshot that we compare and we're like, oh, there is so much. Have you heard that quote, um, the grass looks greener on the other side? You know, I, I like the second bar, it's just as hard to cut. You know, the, the reality is we often look at people's life and it, it looks better. You know, actually, here's the truth about grass, isn't it? The grass is greener where you water it. So if you look at your relationship and you think, gee, it's not what I'd be. Water your relationship. Bring life, bring sustenance to you. If you look at your relationship with God and it's dry and brown and arid and you think, I'm struggling here, bring life to it. Water it. You know, what you water in your life, what you refresh in life, you will see it grow. Sometimes, actually, it's not just that we're comparing ourselves. We just know we're not quite right. And so we're looking at other people and go, oh, they look perfect. But actually, we shouldn't be looking at the outer of others. We should be looking at the inner of ourselves. Let me tell you a simple thing that you can do to do that. 
We need to get beyond our life whinges. We need to get beyond the fact that we say our world is not enough. And we need to stop looking at what we don't have and start looking at what we do have. A very simple thing that we can do that, by the way, it's called a gratitude journal. You know, what you can do is you can just take a notepad and uh, every day you can just kind of put it by your bedside and, you know, at the end of the day, you can just kind of think, I'm just going to spend the next five, ten minutes thinking about my day and I'm just going to go, what am I thankful for? An attitude of gratitude is what it's called. It's amazing, by the way, if you just take a few moments of actually thinking of some of the good things that you did. Even the fact that you've got a bed is something to say thankful for. You know, some basic things like food in the cupboard, you know, you've got Sky TV or broadband or, or whatever it is, you have a car, you know, or you have a dog. You know, there's, there's plenty of things in your life that you've just stopped realizing how good life can be. And like the song, Count Every Blessings, there's a time when you can just say, I'm going to remember the good. I'm not going to look in the darkness of the tomb. I'm not going to look about what I don't have. Wow, I've got all this. Now you can write it down every day. The walls of Jerusalem, by the way, um, there are two walls, either inside and outside, inner and outer. I want you to kind of know this because there's an outer part to your life and an inner part. You know, the outer part is the bit you see right now, almost the flesh, the bit I want you to see, you know. You know, even my clothes, you know, I want to kind of look semi-smart but semi-casual with my converse. You know, we create this whole persona about us, actually. But do you know what God's interested in? He looks beyond our outer and he looks into our inner, into our inner walls, but the bits that nobody sees. So today, right, you can look at me and smile. Church is great for this, by the way, because everybody asks you, how are you? And we go, yeah, great. Outer. Truth in is sometimes you see, actually, I feel like I'm looking into a tomb today. I feel like my life is a little bit dark. And actually, this simple process of a gratitude journal can change your switch from looking down to looking up. The whole process of this message, rather than looking outer and you know, just focusing on in it, I want to switch your focus to looking upward. You know, because there our vision starts to change. There things start to change in our life. You see, you actually know you've had a good day when you get to kiss your family goodnight. You know you've had a good day when you went to sleep really tired. You know you had a good day when you helped someone, when you said yes to a new challenge, when you took time to smell the roses, when you breathed the fresh air of Devon, when you enjoyed a great meal and savored the food you ate, when you smiled at lots of people, when you laughed a lot, when you took some exercise, when you told somebody how much you appreciate them, you had a good day when you did all of those things, and all of those things are in your power right now. Because you know what? If you do those things, suddenly you rise up rather than going, gee. Okay, I wanted to get to my final point, which is life wins. See, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Where I started when it talked about the followers of Jesus early on the Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, they went to visit the tomb. They got what they weren't expecting. Mary in John verse 20 verse 11 was standing outside the tomb crying as she wept. And she stopped, she looked in and she saw two white robed angels. One was sitting at the head and one other was sitting at the foot, the place where Jesus had been lying. And I want us to start here looking into our darkness, looking for hope. And they said, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord. I followed this man, and he's changed my life, and now I don't know where he is. Some of us might have our relationship with God that we used to follow him, but now he's not where we thought he was. 
and it gets to you. She turned to leave. She saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. She didn't recognize him. Woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked. Who were you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. And then she realized. I don't know, but sometimes our grief, sometimes our despair, sometimes our black dogs, sometimes our dark days, they affect our vision. That we no longer recognize God in our life. Until the moment Jesus calls our name. Whatever your name is, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is calling that. Because he's saying to you right now, hey, I'm not hiding in the darkness. I'm over here. There's a psalm that says, I look up to the hills from where my help comes from. It's about a perspective shift of an act of worship that when you look to see God in your life, you move from the darkness to see the light of Christ. We're running an alpha course, by the way, which is really just to get um, to understand more about Jesus. It's a lovely course. We have a lovely meal. We have a good time. We have great conversations. And, and anybody's welcome to come and join us um, on a Wednesday night, and we start at 7 o'clock. But we watch a little bit of a DVD or video every week. And, and this week, um, there was a, a testimony of somebody who was looking into a, a dark tomb of their life. Um, and they told the story of how it kind of ended up changing their whole perspective. I thought I wanted to show it you if I could, because I, I love people's stories. Um, and this is Shane Taylor's. Change his life. Why he can't he change his haircut? <laughs> you know what I love about that. I love the fact when he starts talking about being a father. You see the break in him because that was a hope and a dream that he had that he never thought would be fulfilled until he met Jesus. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus takes you out of here and he lifts you up into high places of your fault. I want to tell you this story to finish as a means of explaining what Jesus has done for our life. July 1941, a prisoner escaped from Auschwitz. And as a reprisal, the Gestapo selected 10 men arbitrarily to die in a starvation bunker. One of the men selected, his name was Francis Gajovnicek. And when he was selected, he cried out. He said, oh, my poor wife, my family, my children, they'll never see me again. At that moment, a little guy, a Polish man in glasses with frame, wire frames, he stepped out of the line. He took off his cap. He said, look, I'm a priest I don't have wife or children. I would like to die instead of that man. So to everyone's amazement, the offer was accepted. He was taken to the starvation bunker. And on the 14th of August, he was the last one to die. He kept an amazing atmosphere. And apparently, he got them singing hymns and praying. But on the 14th of August, they needed the bunker for other people. And they gave him a lethal injection of carbolic acid. And that's how he died. 41 years later, his death was put in the proper perspective. In a crowd of 150,000 people, 26 cardinals, 300 archbishops and bishops in St. Peter's Square, Rome, in that crowd was Francis Gajovnicek. And the Pope had said on that occasion about his death, the death 
of Maximilian Kolbe, that was his name, the Polish 47-year-old priest, who stepped forward to give his life. That was a victory like the one won by our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he gave himself, he gave up his life out of love. Francis Gajovnicek died at the age of 93. He spent the rest of his life going around telling everyone about the love of this man who died in his place. I tell you that story because for me it explains what Jesus did. Jesus went to that dark place and died for you so that you could know life. There's a great verse in John 8 verse 36 that Jesus said these words, He the Son sets free is free indeed. I want to declare freedom over those who want to take the option this morning that you can be free of the darkness. And if that's sin or the dark things you've done or the dark thoughts or dark actions, everything, we have them in our heart, then Christ has got victory over them. Death, where is your victory? It's a statement that's said about Jesus on Easter Sunday. What about depression? What about failures? What about hopes and dreams crashed there? Why, why don't we say, God, what have you got? And you know what God's incredible at doing? It's taking the ashes of our life and making something beautiful. Now, faith, by the way, um, is not the absence of doubt. It's the presence of belief. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I just want you to close your eyes. It's a very quiet moment for us all today. I want to offer you the opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You may not have all the answers believe he came and you'll trust in him say a very simple prayer like this right now while everybody's crying in your heart that you and God can connect with dear Lord Jesus I acknowledge you as my saviour you died for me but you rose again on the third day to give me new life forgive me of all my darkness and fill my heart with life right now if you are real reveal yourself to me switch on the lights forgive me bring hope to my darkness I ask in Jesus name so just everybody keep your eyes closed and your head back just for a few seconds longer I'm just going to offer Everybody an opportunity. If you said that prayer, maybe for the first time or, or something that you're saying again because you know that God is bringing you back to himself today, I just want you to just let me know just by putting your hand up just gently so I know that God is speaking to you because it's just an act of faith. Anybody said that prayer? Just put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What God is doing is just connecting with your faith. It's not what everybody else is doing. It's not an outward thing, it's an inner. Thank you. It's your act of faith. God's working with you right now. Is anybody else before I just pray? Last time I've asked you. Thank you. So, Father God, this Easter Sunday, release your Holy Spirit to all those who said yes to you right now. In whatever capacity, in whatever reason. Release him to this hope of new life. And for all of us, Lord God, who perhaps have come back every year, let it not be dull, let it be fresh. 
Let it be massive in us, Lord God, that we actually would spend the rest of our life telling other people the life we now live because of what Jesus has done for us. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for listening.